You're listening to Gurus, book club and self-improvement podcast, hosted by Andy and Brian. And the quote of the day is, when you love someone, the most precious gift you can give your loved one is your true presence. Thich Nhat Hanh, The Art of Power. So I got that. Yeah, it is beautiful. I got that quote from um, page 46 in chapter, I want to say that's chapter three, The Art of Mindfulness. And um, that's page 46. If you've, you know, if you're reading the book, if you're listening to it on Audible, I have no idea where that would be minute wise, but uh, chapter three. Chapter three is a good thing to go. Um, Do you know, this is. I am. I've tried really hard to be putting my Buddhist teacher hat on with this because this book has a lot of a lot of Buddhism in it. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you, and it's really great. But I'm trying to do it the same way where I'm. I want to talk about it from the Western side of what we're seeing but also have the explanations behind it so that is i i I just love this because well zen buddhism is a very mindful practice they have mindful eating mindful walking mindful everything you're doing is mindful Mm -hmm. and but but i but with this quote i think back to a time where my dad gave me some advice with my girls were little Hmm. and he said, Andy be present. And what he meant, and, and this is a truth is be present now with who they are now and just keep being that throughout their life because the time is fleeting. When you get caught into thinking about the future and all the other stuff, you stop being present for yourself, but for others. Yeah. And especially with children, young children specifically, they just want that time with you. And especially, you know, that's when they really do want their time with you. So, you know, uh, when they become teenagers, they no longer want to have any time with you. They want to yeah. play with their friends. Well, and, 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 you know, even even um, outside of the realm of children, you know, like if you have um, friends, you know, uh, best friend, best friend for life. Uh, and you really do care about them. You love them, you know. Um, how much more of a deeper relationship will you have if you really are present now um i remember a time as a teenager um uh well let's see when was it so this is like back when like cell phones were just barely coming out like a thing you know like they're 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 hitting the market people are are um starting to use it and my my friend, my one friend, I remember came over to hang out and was just on the phone the whole time. Non-stop. You know, this is like one of those 
really piece of crap phones like no smartphones no nothing like yeah like nokia was, <laughs> yeah yeah or or like you know like mm. but like what was it it was like you could text message with like the buttons the letters of the phone yeah you had to hit it like three times if you wanted the end or, yeah stuff yeah. like that <laughs> yeah and i remember and and i was turned off to cell phones for the longest time like i my my first actual phone i probably got it like oh man 10 years later <laughs> you know uh because of this experience where the person came over and i cared about this friend but it felt like they were so not present they were so elsewhere of their mind like their body was in the room with me but they were with another friend or another person or you know whatever it was whoever they were talking to via text they were gone and i remember thinking like why why did you even come over if you didn't want to spend time with me, you know? Do you know what it is? Is that we think we're present in the middle of this. I think out of ignorance, we don't realize that we're not present. We are, oh, I'm just busy. We say we put that label yeah. busy. It's a big label that we all put on and we say, oh, I'm just busy. Well, not really. I'm not present at the current mm -hmm. moment in the thing that I should be focusing on. And there's been some studies that it, to your point, there have been studies that show what we say is multitasking. Well, I multitask. I can hang out with you and talk on the phone. <laughs> However, we only single task quickly back and forth. So we are single tasking really quickly and we can only do 50% of that at any given time. So we, we're not putting 100% of effort mm -hmm. into the thing that we're single tasking because we're going between two places too fast to be able to focus correctly on any one of them. So in this, you can also say, well, I'm not present because I'm not really here. I'm 50% here at best. Yeah. Even when you're focused with your friends and family is because you're, you're on your phone. Screens are a big distraction and we oh, don't yeah. realize how easily. And here's how you can, here's how you know it. You will miss words in a conversation and you'll have to say, can you repeat that? I was on my phone. So something important was said and you miss a segment. This is, now, this is indicative of the times. All right, you're watching a TV show and you're on your phone and you have to rewind the TV show. <laughs> and, you, you know, it's like, how not present are you in that situation? Like, I am, I am, I am totally two, two steps outside of the present moment. There's a TV that's taken me out of the present moment, the show. And then I can't even watch the TV because I'm on my phone. 
<laughs> like, wow, what are you dealing with in your life that you have to be that distracted from? Like, that is indicative. There's a problem. There's something happening and you are avoiding it like the play. You cannot bring yourself to be in the moment, right? Like, because you think that if I'm in the moment, then I'm going to, I'm going to feel blank emotion, right? And you don't cognitively think that because you're clearly not present enough or mindful enough to be in touch with why you're even distracting yourself from the TV. <laughs> and, and Thich Nhat Hanh brings this point up is that it is an escapism, Mm-hmm. We we use the television and the phones and music and things. And we're not I'm not necessarily saying it's bad to have process time to be able to get away for a second and have a little mini vacation. But it's when you make it such a habit of mind to escape from your reality. To not deal with the emotions and he brings up mindfulness of your emotions when they rise, trying to push them away or suppress them by watching television. Well, I won't deal with this, so you suppress it. You push it under the carpet. Now, here's the problem with, you know, and we kind of talked about this in the last book, it, you know, dragons. Yeah. You know, these they just become bigger. <laughs> they don't go away. They start evading mm-hmm. your house and flying your house around after a while. Because it, it's there, but you're moving around it. Mm-hmm. You're having to take all these extra steps to avoid it. Right. Yeah. And and we do Talk this all most, the time. Absolutely. Talk about wasted energy and time. Right. Because you have to go out of your way to get it out of the way. It's absurd, right? But at the same time, that's that's just us um, not being mindful, right? If you were to actually think about it, and this is this is something that he said at the beginning of the chapter, and a, a possible quote of the day candidate. Um, he he says, "Imagine the power of our actions if each one contained one hundred percent of our attention." Like if you focused on solving a problem with 100% of your attention, it'd be solved so quick. Right. And, and I think about that as a, as a software or an engineer um, mm-hmm. in IT that I have to focus 100% of my time into solving things. And when I do, I solve them. It may not be so quick, but it at least is a focused in I'm putting a lot of effort and effort being very important there. You're putting effort into recognizing and looking at all of the facets and seeing them together and seeing what the issue is so that you can find root cause. And that's it. But I think that um, when we think about what prohibits us is it's avoidance of looking at and feeling bad and feeling pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to suffer. So I'm going to find, so I'm going to try to distract myself from seeing it and feeling that. 
And we do it as humans in all sorts of different ways through addiction, through, and, and I think addiction can be carried into addiction at any level. It doesn't have to just be drugs. It can be, I'm addicted to watching television every time that I feel bad or food. I, every time that I don't, I feel bad. I'm going to eat some food. I want to, I want to eat sugar. It mindless, makes me feel better. Mindless eating. Yeah. So there is those, those facets of, and it's, it's destroying your ability to look deep into the root of yourself, which is where the pain is and saying, I see the pain and making friends with it and, and saying, you know what, that exists. I need to take a deeper look. It is painful at the moment, but it's like uh, taking out a sticker out of your finger. You have to be able to take a look at the sticker and be able to get the tweezers around it to be able to pull it out. Otherwise, it just festers and, you know, it won't feel better. It'll just be like, you know, maybe you'll numb it. <laughs> yeah. If you put well, something on it, you'll be like, oh, I just numbed it. It feels better now. You know, but there's the still sticker. The interesting thing about this too, though, is like, it's not always painful to be present, right? Like when we're, when we're, when we're escaping the present moment, I, I would argue that someone wasn't present and that's why they're feeling pain. They're thinking about something in the past or the future. That's true too. And that is why they're feeling these uncomfortable emotions or remembering these painful experiences, right? And so well, they're not in the moment. And so they're escaping something that isn't even real anymore. It's just a memory. It happened. It's gone. You know, that it, it's something in the mind only now. And so mindfulness is actually not painful when we say sit with the emotion right like sit with the emotion of the now not of the past what do you notice right so as soon as you as soon as you notice that you're focusing on the past or the present or i mean um past or the future um and you say hey i'm focusing on the past in that moment you are now mindful you are now present and then you check in with yourself. What am I feeling right now? Maybe your heartbeat is pumping faster, right? It's beating faster because you were thinking about the past. But as soon as you focus on the heartbeat and you recognize that you're not in that situation and you're maybe in your living room or you're, you're uh, in your bed, you know, and, and that you're in, a, in an environment that is safe, that is comfortable, you know, in that moment, if you are present, you are fine in that moment. You are okay. Now, obviously, if you're present and mindful of a situation where maybe there's an argument going on or you did have like a thorn or, or, or something like that stuck in your hand, being present is, you're, you're probably, I mean, if you're experiencing pain and you're feeling it and you're noticing it and you're crying about it and you're looking at it, um, that's forced presence, <laughs> you know, like you're looking at it, but at the same time, you're not aware that you're like, it's not a conscious choice 
to pay attention to it. So in that, it's not mindfulness. Does that is that making sense, Andy? Am I? Do you think? It, no, 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 no. You're totally on. You're totally on a great path, and that's what I was gonna say. I, I think that you're absolutely right. I, I always have a tendency to look at, um, trauma a, a little bit as well because I'm always thinking of people not wanting to deal with pain. But I'm also taking a look at the reverse, which is what you're talking about. There is much joy and happiness and true happiness in the present moment. And we've heard this from several different people. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh, we also heard it from The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. Being able to sit in the present moment and enjoy, and we call it mindful eating. So really eating and enjoying and savoring the flavors and enjoying the fact, the act of eating, being present with the people around you, meaning that you're enjoying the conversation. You're not going drifting. You're enjoying what they're saying. Just like in this conversation, I'm enjoying your point of view in this moment because what it's bringing up is, for me, it's bringing up that I I have a tendency to think of the pain first mm-hmm. and trying to help people out of their pain because that's what I think about when I first think, why do people try to do avoidance and out of ignorance, which is something that I've had a lot of booze teacher teach but I really enjoy your perspective on the fact that you're bringing up a very positive place. The positive place is a place where you're present with the people around you. You've put your phone down. You're not being distracted. You're enjoying them smiling at you, looking at you, being able to give you feedback on you know your convert on your thoughts maybe you're sharing some you know some thoughts that you're thinking about and maybe some things that are weighing on your mind and you're enjoying that moment and it doesn't even have to be about sometimes you can just be in the same room with somebody and just enjoy the silence yeah well and that's that's yeah um i think you know, many of us, if not everyone, has a moment where it's really nice, right? And you, and all of a sudden, you're like, "Wow!" Like, you know, you you look around, you're like, "This is this is just this is awesome," you know. And maybe you're maybe where you're with your friends, and you're just all of a sudden hit with this, like, "I really am enjoying myself right now." You know, that right there is mindfulness. You can be having fun and everything and be totally absent-minded, but in the, but in the moment. Sometimes that's, and it's okay to be who, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong. No, it's not. And I think that when you're really focused on being here and now, your problems have a tendency to not come around because you can, the here and the now doesn't contain problems. If you are, I mean, as long as, you know, I guess maybe if you were something happened, some traumatic stuff happened, but that, but that moment has usually gone and now there's a new moment and this new moment arises 
and it's an opportunity. That's the one thing that's really positive here is that every new moment spawns a new moment that gives you opportunity to create happiness and joy and compassion and love in every new moment. You can do that. And when you do that, you find a limitless form of these things. And it gives you, yeah, I mean, I think that's really where they really go to that really just being very, have a lot of gratitude for the time that you do have. Mm -hmm. We don't take that gratitude and especially in Western civilization, you know, the Western culture, we don't have a tendency. You know, I was talking to my son the other day and he said, I can't wait till I'm an adult. And I'm, you know, I'm grilling and I'm just enjoying the grilling and talking to my son. And I said, you know, Caden, there's a lot of stress that happens as an adult. <laughs> Worrying about house payments and jobs and keeping a job and kids and how they're doing. And, you know, there's so many think factors that happen that that arise for you as an adult that you have to deal with. And at 13, you just have to worry about going to school and whether you have friends. Not that I'm trying to say that that doesn't matter, that he doesn't have to worry about things. Mm-hmm. But I said, just enjoy these moments. We always think that it's, it's going to, well, you know, I, I'm setting myself up for the future so that it can be better. But why don't you set yourself up for the here and now where you can, where you can really enjoy and be great have gratitude, be gracious for this moment because you don't know what's happening. Impermanence is a real factor into all of this. So, and that's the other part that Buddhism and what he's teaching here is that impermanence, something drastic could happen in the next second, the next moment, and you won't be in that situation anymore. So enjoy the, the moment that you have, especially like going into the holidays Mm-hmm. We can really enjoy each other by being truly present. And here's why we don't have to think about past harms or things that have hurt us from what our parents said to us when we were kids. Or sometimes we have a tendency to reflect and go, they're treating us like we're little kids still. Um, maybe we can take a different spin on it this Christmas with family and be able to just be present and just enjoy each moment we have with them. Instead of thinking, remember when they were such a jerk to me? Remember when that person did that to me? We can mm-hmm. just really enjoy the moments of being with them and being around people that love us. And, you know, if you are a person that doesn't celebrate Christmas, but there's some other holiday around this time, or maybe... You don't celebrate anything around this time related to, to um, your, you know, like your culture doesn't doesn't practice anything right now. Notice that. Right. Well, it's like, interesting. It's cool yeah. For, for your individual um, culture and approach for living right now, regardless of, you know, I, uh, the holidays. Right. Yeah, regardless of the holidays that other people are practicing around you. I I believe the only reason why I say is because as a Western culture, we normally have this time is that time to reflect before the new year. 
and be around family. And it doesn't matter what, like what you're saying, it doesn't matter what holiday it is. Um, we're still like most businesses are off, you know, very slow mm -hmm. during the end of the year. Um, and what I recognize is that we all do have a tendency to get together and, this is an opportunity to unharbor ill feelings mm -hmm. to really recognize that we can be present in the here and the now and be great gracious for that moment that we do have. And even if we are spending it alone, sometimes alone is, is a good thing because it's teaching you so much about yourself and how to enjoy yourself. You know, those are things that you can think about, like, hey, I'm spending the holiday by myself. Well, that's okay, because um, you get this opportunity to really find who you are as a person today and at this moment. So, you know, I, um, as we're talking about this, I'm, I was reminded of a Facebook post that um, a friend of mine uh brought up or, or or posted and um <laughs> it's actually it's it's really funny this is like the perfect example of how we want to be this this time of year you know if you're celebrating christmas and opening gifts and everything and like how you can be truly present and give the present of presents the gift of presents right and um so this was the post and and my wife tagged me in it because the friend the friend posted it and my wife was like hey check this out this is funny uh so it says women when your husband says he doesn't want anything for christmas he's not being hard to shop for he's being honest men buy what they want or need throughout the year socks and undershirts really are enough and it's stuff we need christmas is more about you and the children to us on Christmas morning, we want to watch our wives and kids opening presents and getting excited while drinking coffee and a Christmas movie playing in the background. We want to put stuff together and watch you all enjoy it. We have all we need with you. Now, this is said, um, meant to be kind of a sarcastic, like, uh, you know, um, men actually aren't that way. Men, men are going to be uh, wanting gifts and, and, and focused on what they're receiving and not so much in, in the moment, right? So it's kind of like tongue-in-cheek here. But really, what if, and, and this is, you know, targeting like husbands and, and, and whatnot, but what if every single person, though, approached it that way? Right? And it's like, oh, man, I don't care what I get. I am just happy to be here. That's that's pretty cool. And, you know, when we're thinking about like a holiday or a birthday or something, it's like, well, yeah, I, you know, it's easier to cherish the moment then because there's something special going on. Um, so really um, do this when there's not something going special, you know, when there's not something special going on. Um, well, imagine every day being an opportunity, every moment being an opportunity to give love yeah. And compassion to somebody else. And we have that ability to do that all the time. Every moment we have that ability. That's what Thich Nhat Hanh talks about. That's what my teachers talk about is being able to be in that mindset 
all of the time. And mindset meaning it's the habit of mind that you have, that it's that mind that is wanting to constantly give without expectation of return and being able to really truly love others at a deep level with, and I just absolutely think that that mindset is so incredible and it changes the world and it does really treat every moment like Christmas. Like it's, you're just so grateful for this ability to help somebody. It brings meaning and it also not only to the moment, but to others. And I think it's so wonderful because it brings something to yourself as well. And that is happiness and joy that's bottomless. It gives you love that's limitless. It's amazing. But we don't realize that every moment can be that moment. It it can. And, you know, um, all it does um, require to do this is just being aware um, by choice. That's all. Well, and, and Zen Buddhism brings up like mindfully walking, enjoying the act of walking somewhere. Wow, my my feet feel the floor. I can feel the texture of whatever it is. I feel the slickness of the floor tile or the coldness of it on my bare feet uh, in the morning. Or you can say, hey, I enjoy the fact that I'm walking on rocks and I don't have to feel the sharp pain of them because I have really comfortable shoes. Or if you're walking on rocks and it's painful, maybe you just take a moment to acknowledge that and, and embrace <laughs> it. And as he puts it, smile at it and be like, boy, ha. These rocks, I, I am aware that they are sharp, you know, <laughs> and it is uncomfortable. But you can take a look at every moment like that. And this is, you're talking about exactly when you make friends with pain, things that we see as painful, and you make friends with the sharp rock, with the thing that has happened, it's no longer painful and suffering. Because you've made friends with it, you understand it, you see it, you you. Oh, you're not avoiding it. You're, you're not you're avoiding it. it. Like, you know, and you're not um, caught up in it. You're not caught up in it. You're like, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you that we have that um, in my tradition as well as in this tradition. There's um, we really talk about healing, and I know that there was a quote about healing, self healing, mm -hmm. um, and that is a real truth that really does happen. And Buddhism has been quoting and doing this for many years, this healing from internal um, for like, not I, we do it a lot of times with people who have cancer, mm -hmm. um, say maybe terminal illness or terminal pain. We bring out meditation as a form of this mindfulness saying I am not my body's pain and being aware that the pain exists, but this isn't my body. You know, this is not, this is, you know, this is not just, I'm, I'm not the pain. So those things are very important because we had a ghost enter the room. I did She's have a ghost. Door. 
It was a grandkid. <laughs> <laughs> Grandkids anyway, sorry, and granddaughters. But it was really true. Down. It's really true. Yeah, I know. What's funny is is that um, we have the grandkids here for the for the holidays, and um, they're not used to grandpa who does. I'm not used to it either. That um, of all the things that they're like, hey, what's he doing in there? That must be really amazing. And I always am like little kids see things with such awe. And it, it just goes right to this moment where we're talking about being able to see everything so new and to a kid that's never seen, you know, so many different, different things. Cause they're used to their house. They come to our house and they're just seeing different things. They have different toys. They have different experiences here. Um, sharp rocks because I live in the desert and we have zero escape. <laughs> and so it's so it, but they're having so much fun because they just every around every corner is like something cool you know grandpa's yeah. doing a podcast and the i didn't know anybody does that <laughs> well and you know and that's that's kind of the point here right so listeners you know what we're getting at is that every day there is an opportunity for you to just be aware of what you're doing and just make a, you know, a brief moment. Like you don't have to be a Buddhist monk, you know, and, and take all this time to, to, you know, be fully focused on body movements or things like that. All you have to do is just notice, right? Oh, I am, I am walking, you know, and notice that you're walking. And in that moment, you're practicing it. The point is, though, like kind of like what we talked about before is like you just got to practice it. You just got to do it. And all of a sudden it becomes habit and you're doing it um, not without thinking because that's not mindfulness. That's not being present. Um, if you're doing something and you're not noticing that you're doing it, then you're not being fully present and aware. Again, there's a consciousness to this um, and it is concrete. Okay. Anyways, um, I did want to touch on if, if uh, we'll briefly change over to a next part of this book, right? Because I think you and I, Andy, we can talk about this all day. This is like our bread and butter. You as a, as a practitioner and me as a therapist, it's like get in touch with the now, like pay attention to what's happening now. Depression and anxiety, I work with that all the time. And it's really people focused on the past and the, and the future. It really is. And um, a lot of it is, I mean, there's more to it than that. Um, in therapy, I'm dealing with uh, stuff that maybe is a little bit more chronic, a little bit more interruptive in life. Um, and mindfulness is definitely one of the best things to start the process of healing. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's the end point, where if all you do is mindfulness, then you're good. No, but it's an extremely helpful tool that can help you make progress as you incorporate other things into your life that are also tools. So anyways, um, so the book, uh, he, Thich Nhat Hanh comes uh, to a point in, in this week's reading where he brings up the, the CEO or the founder of Patagonia. And he, um, you know, just brings up this guy as like an example from the world doing uh, a difference um, and I thought it was really interesting. He said, just go to Appendix B if you want to learn more about this guy. And so I did. I went to Appendix B. I did. I, I cut short my reading 
um, from the the regular book and went to this this I don't know if it was like an interview or what or if it was like a from his biography. But Ivan Schoenard, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, um, but Ivan Schoenard is the founder of Patagonia, and it kind of he he walks um, you through kind of this journey that he as a businessman had, where he wasn't even a businessman. He has a diploma from high school in auto mechanics, didn't do any kind of other schooling than that, and just started making products. And this journey of how he went from just doing things um, just to do it and kind of lost track of the goal and the purpose, found out that his business wasn't sustainable and then had to take a very hard look at what was happening. And he had to let go of his friends that were working there because it was no longer sustainable, couldn't pay him. So I had to let them go. And he was like, this has to be sustainable. And he started looking at it in terms of like, not just for a business, I need to make profit and make sure I have the money to pay people. But like, if what I am doing is going to impact the world and other people's lives, like I need to look downstream, you know, or maybe uh, I need to look upstream and see like where I'm getting my material, you know, what like, and my point in bringing this up is um, he, he has these rules or these tips about how to approach your life and these things that he uses to guide his business, which is extremely profitable, but also um, sus sustainable in the sense of uh, taking care of the environment, taking care of its employees. It's one of the happiest places to work for because of their approach so um i don't know andy if you if you went off into appendix b at all if, did you i did, did not i did not but okay. i did want to hear the story because i think i've heard the story before so that's what i was waiting yeah to hear well so, he, um so very briefly then uh i don't want to uh pull too much attention away from it but he he has these five things um, he, he developed these values with his with his business um, to give direction, to make sure that what they are doing is in line with what's truly important, not just for the business, but for every single person's life that their business impacts, who they buy from, who buys from them, um, who works for them, like all these things. So Number one is lead an, an examined life, right? And that's this mindfulness, right? Like pay attention to what you're doing and, and, and make sure that um, you're, you're questioning things and you're, you're learning new things. Like, so you examine it. Your life is one life amongst billions. Your job is one job amongst billions. Um, and you are still important and you can make a difference, right? So that is what this is talking about. I love that. Yeah. It's really cool. So lead an examined life. And he goes into more depth than that. Um, and, you know, that 
So that's mindfulness. And the next one is clean up your own act. And he's basically saying like, take accountability, right? You are part of the problem in the world or in your relationship or in your job. If you don't like your job, you are part of the problem. If your relationship isn't going well, you are part of the problem. You can't blame everything. Take accountability. You can look at yourself, but you can only clean up your own act if you're examining your life in the first place. So that's why it's number two behind examine your life, right? Live an examined life so that you can clean up your own act. Take accountability and make change for yourself. You can't tell your partner or your friends or your coworkers necessarily what to do and expect them to just do it. You can't control other people. All you can do is control you. So you clean up your own act. And then number three, do what you can do. Um, so kind of in line with this, uh, you know, cleaning up your own act, taking accountability for it. So in other words, you recognize it. You examine your life. You notice what is in your control or what's in your power. So that would be the um, number two, clean up your own act. And then number three is do something about it. Do what you can do. Okay. Um, again, you're part of the problem. And so you can be part of the solution. So now you're going to just do what you can to be a part of the solution. I examined my power. life. A lot yeah. of power in this. Yes. So I examined my life. One. Oh, I just learned that I'm responsible for some issues happening in my life. And there are some things I can change. Number three, do something to change based on what you've learned and what you've now recognized. Right? So you have awareness, which leads to insight, which leads to action. Okay? Which is really cool stuff. Number four, support civil democracy. And this is basically him saying, like, um, be uh, not only are you going to do what you can do, but be a part of the greater whole. You know, he talks about like, uh, this guy's kind of anti-government is what I got the feeling from. I'm, I'm not necessarily going to say I agree with him there, but he's basically saying like activism is what really makes changes. You know, he talks about the Civil Rights Act, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, um, government that made the change. Yeah, they maybe formally put something into into law, but he brings up that you know it took Rosa Parks first, an individual, you know, who again <laughs> uh, lived in an examined life, noticed what was happening. You know that they were kind of part of the problem. That um, that maybe because no one was pushing against this at least not in um, a joined effort, you know. Um, and then she acted. She stayed on the bus. You know, she didn't move to the back. And that is how you support civil democracy. If you want to create change in government, you want policies to change, you want your, you know, whatever you believe in values-wise, left or right or middle, activism. You have to be a part of something bigger than you. So he brings that up that they, that he, 
and his company um, do that. That is very important to them. And then lastly is be a role model. Um, he talks about how his business um, wouldn't make a difference if it wasn't profitable and if it wasn't doing good in the world. So he talks about how like he formed this initiative where there's like 244 other businesses that they give back a portion of their profits. Like he led the initiative. He was in a, a role model for this first where they started giving their money back into like planting trees or, you know, sustainable energy, these types of things that any money they made from selling their products, they pushed it in a direction or a cause that they believed in. And they set that up as a role model. So then when they're like, hey, look, we're extremely successful. I have employees that are extremely happy to work for me. You know, they, they enjoy coming to this and they believe in us and we're giving back and we're still, we're still in business. So this is a good model, business model to follow, a good life model to follow. And look, I am the role model because it's working. So what do role models do? They, they provide examples of how to be or what to do. And so you can do that on the individual level. I really like, I, I like this. And here's what I like about it is it gives you steps to empower yourself. Um, and I think that it's the same type of steps that seven habits of successful people deals with. Um, it's almost just breaking it down into five instead of the seven, but it still has that same basic concept, which is, Look internal first at what is driving you to be part of the issues that are out there. Mm -hmm. Not because a lot of times when you focus on the things outside, you have a tendency to do the blame game um, and you don't have a really ability to see yourself in the problem. Yeah. And then he's talking about actually, once you've identified these things about yourself, being able to do something about them that's meaningful. And those last two, I think, are the most powerful. Activism meaning take action with people that are around you who are in the same belief to make change. Thich Nhat Hanh specifically did this with his anti war demonstrations during the Vietnam War. And how he did it is he went to several of the leaders in different countries that were part of the war, U.S. being one of them, and presenting the Buddhist perspective of the war and how peace would help create a better situation there. Hmm. So his activism was, he was extremely important in that because he brought a different perspective to people that weren't aware of it. But he was also very mindful of how he was how he was part of the situation. Then additionally, you know, you have that other piece that I think that as parents, as people, our biggest contribution is our example. And we do it in subtle ways to it's very subtle with a lot of times that we do it 
for instance, your patience teaches people patience. When you don't respond in anger or react in anger, they will see that you are patiently dealing with situations that are not sometimes optimal. And they'll be like, how does this person do that? And then you can say, I do it through this methodology that I learned through, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh books and Power of Now books and through my spiritual studies on patience and the delusion of anger in this case. So I think that those that that's the one thing that we do very big bring to the plate is our example. Because it is really what other people and it's our legacy that we give to others. Like our patients, you can teach patience to other through your own patience. And that example of patience is a story that is held from lineage to lineage about how patient grandpa was. I would like to be as patient as that person. That role model. That they yeah. inspire me to be patient in all yeah. things. And I mean, we think if about you don't that. Have, if you don't have that type of person in your immediate family or, or, or in your, um, you know, social group, whatever, like, you get to like go shopping, find one that will is a role model. Choose or your read a model. book or read a book on yeah. Thich Nhat Hanh who's teaching patients all day long. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's so many, so many good role models. It's easy to get caught up with the negative and the bad and the things. And we can all point to someone that isn't a good role model. But why focus on that? I don't want to be like that. So why would I pay attention to that? I'm going to pay attention to what I want to be like and what I want to do and what's most important to me. You know, I'm going to spend my time focused on, on valuable things to my life. What's going to add and how can I add to someone else's life? Right? Like that's, that's how you're going to be the, 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 the greatest possible. You is focusing on the things that actually matter, you know, and it's easy to get distracted in this world. Um, so uh, in closing, right, just to, just to review, mindfulness, being present, key, key to happiness. And if, you know, if, if you're going the Zen Buddhist route uh, and, 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 and Andy, you're, you're more able to speak to that than, than me. I'm, I've got more of that Western look, so I can speak to the Western. But, you know, like mindfulness, it's extremely important. All you have is the now. For, for many people... Right. It's like, well, why would I practice mindfulness? That's not going to solve my problem. Right. Well, it can. It can alleviate the suffering. But again, you can look at it as like that's the first step to solving the problems that you want to solve, because that's going to bring more awareness. Right. That's going to help you understand what's going on for you internally. It's going to help you understand the present, what's happening. And he brings us up, actually. Um, earlier in the book, right? The like awareness does lead to insight. If you can just be present and sit with your emotions, you will learn something new. And it'll teach you something that you can do. And that's when you can act because now you have the insight, you learn something. And so you have direction, right? So remember, mindfulness in and of itself is awesome. And you can also look at it as the first step to solving any problem that you're trying to solve. Is that fair, Andy? What do you think? Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. I, I, I think that um, 
you're right on the money. I, I love your perspective on this one. It really kind of took me down a really positive, uh, a positive road this week. So I really enjoy that your aspect on this and perspective. Well, good. I'm glad that it was helpful for you. And, you know, I learned, a, I learned a lot from this book. I mean, I do, I do as, as well as you, Andy, like, you know, <laughs> we do, we do this kind of stuff all the time, but um, getting outside perspectives, reading this, this book by Thich Nhat Hanh has been really beneficial for me. And I'm grateful for Thich Nhat Hanh's wisdom and power um, that he is projecting here, right? Like we talk about the art, the art part, <laughs> that rhymed, the art part of power, right? Like power truly is an art. It, it takes creativity to wield it in a, in a, in a impactful and life-changing way. Very meaningful. And I think that you're absolutely hit on the, you hit the nail is it's an art, meaning that it's something to be practiced. It's something to be tuned and always being tuned, always learning, always receiving wisdom, always being able to be grateful for this, this level of understanding and new understanding. And there's more understanding to be had, right? Yeah. Always being grateful for that. Yeah. So listeners, thank you for, for paying attention and listening um, to our humble podcast. Um, please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram, um, gurus podcast uh, one at gmail.com. Send us an email. Um, give us some of your thoughts and ideas on the book. Uh, and also we'd love to get, um, suggestions for our next book that we'll start at the beginning of 2022. And, uh, you know, we want to start that year off right by having a, um, you know, an amazing book to go through and read. Absolutely well, love it. You know what that also year. means? That also means we've been doing this a year. Yeah, over. Didn't we start over a little a bit before? We did. We just took a few months off, yeah. and then now we're back at it and being. I think we got a lot more power going. So exciting! Yeah. So yeah. you get everybody has our information. I'll let you take it away with the last thought. Uh, peace out. <laughs> peace out. Mindfully. <laughs> We'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>